Welcome to Great Loop Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. This is Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. Today we are going to wrap up the Georgia anchoring issue, which has been going on for about a year. We've got two guests today. The first is James Newsom, who is one of the founders of the Save Georgia's Anchorage's Facebook group. And he's going to be giving us the background on the Georgia law, how it got to where it is today, and what the fix that has happened in the legislative session in 2020 is. The second guest is Ron Stevens, who is a representative in Georgia and a gold looper. And he'll be talking about the bill he introduced to fix the problems with last year's legislation that was restricting the right to anchor for many boaters in Georgia. The good news is that uh, after the recording of these two interviews, we found out that the governor in Georgia has, in fact, signed this bill into law. So the discussion of HB 833 that you're hearing during these interviews, is uh, it's a done deal. It is law in Georgia, and it is effective now. So congratulations to the entire boating industry on this. And without further delay, we'd like to take a moment to recognize and thank our admiral sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Beneteau. Curtis Stokes and Associates, Dog River Marina, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage our listeners to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. Here now is my interview with James Newsom. I want to welcome James Newsom to Great Loop Radio. Uh, James was really instrumental in the passing of HB 833. So, James, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me, Kim. Yeah, it's a pleasure having you here because it was a pleasure working with you on this bill. But let's start out, since most of our listeners probably don't know you, tell us a little bit about yourself and your boating experience. Well, I'm retired, a retired businessman in Georgia. Um, I have been sailing since I was 14 years old, which uh, was on the, the first boat I had was a boat I actually built. But in my Recent history, it's been cruising the Georgia coast. Uh, I've been doing that now for about 20 years, primarily out of St. Simons Island, but uh, some out of Savannah and some out of Hilton Head. But St. Simons is where is my home port and is where my boat is currently located. Mm-hmm. And we met, I think, probably for the first time at a, a DNR meeting um, in Georgia, but uh, and that we met because you were a founding member of the Facebook group Save Georgia's Anchorages. So tell us about how you came to start that group. Well, Save Georgia Anchorages, which has been in existence for about one year, uh, started because of the anchoring law that was passed, uh, HB 201. And when we found out about it, which was in late, very, very late May of 2019, uh, very early June, even, um, immediately, uh, 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 there was a group of people that were outraged about this law for many, many reasons, which we can get into. But we realized very early on that we needed to do something to try to fight this thing. Right. And Save Georgia's Anchorages uh, was one of the groups, as we said, that was instrumental in getting this problem fixed. And uh, AGLCA worked closely with them, as did uh, Seven Seas Cruising Association 
um, NMMA, which is the National Marine Manufacturers Association, um, MTOA, Waterway Guide. So it really became kind of an industry effort to correct what had been passed in Georgia. And we've covered that before, but I do want to go through the details so that everyone can understand where we're coming from. But um, spoiler alert, let's let's give the headline first. Uh, the issue has, well, is very close to being fixed. The new Georgia anchoring law, which was uh, really introduced to fix the wrongs of last year's bill. Um, it did pass the Senate in Georgia this week, which means it just needs the governor's signature to become law. So, you know, in the end, this all works out pretty well. But let's kind of start at the beginning. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about how we got to where we are today and what the new law says. But take us back to, it was around this time last year. Uh, this bill really uh, caught everyone by surprise in the industry. Most people didn't learn about it until it was actually already law. So tell us how you first found out that it had passed. Uh, probably from uh, reading news or reading Facebook groups, I cannot remember the very first alert that I saw about the law because uh, it was almost like an explosion when it happened. So, uh, I mean, it, when it became public, uh, which, again, was, was very late May, and the, the reason it became pub public at that point wasn't like it was a... Uh, a secret of the state of Georgia. It just had not been publicized. Motor groups were not involved in the um, writing of HB 201. They were not consulted about the points of H201. It was actually um, announced, I think, at a coastal DNR committee meeting at St. Simons Island, and it was it was covered in the local newspaper there. And that may be, I read the Brunswick newspaper, so that may be how I found out about it. But um, uh, it, it did, it caught everyone. And it was a matter of hours and days we're talking about before the, the bulletin bullet that is the internet was lit up about this new anchoring law from Georgia. And where did it come from? How did it happen? What does it mean? So, uh, we, when I say we, I'm talking about boaters in general, and then later on groups. You know, we we everybody's radar was up. We were reading everything we could read. We were asking questions. Um, the first thing that we saw was a public announcement that there would be a meeting uh, at the Coastal Resource Division in Brunswick on June the 17th of last year. So we're looking at just over a year ago. Um, and that meeting was widely attended, and uh, overwhelmingly, uh, voters voiced their opposition to the law. And uh, and then you know that was the beginning. Uh, so you know, uh, and then probably within a month to a month and a half, I'm going to say we found each other. When I say <laughs> that, I mean Save Georgia Anchorages, Kim Russo with your various groups, uh, Ed Tillett, the the. We found each other and realized that we needed to try to unify <clears throat> our effort to try to fight this thing. And that was really how our, our core group, which we've kind of unofficially known as the boating stakeholders, representatives, or, or boating groups, uh, that's, that's how we formed. So, yes, I think it was at that coastal DNR meeting that a lot of our groups were there and in attendance, and that's how we realized we're all on the same side and we really should work together to try and get some good to happen there. So tell us a little bit about 
HB 201, because at that point, it was already law. We were awaiting implementation rules from DNR, and that's actually why DNR called the meeting. If I'm remembering correctly, they were looking for public comment on the implementation rules. So what were really the sticking points that got the attention of so many voters in Georgia and beyond and, and had them attending this meeting? The the big part of 201, and, and, and there were several components of uh, that really bothered voters. But in particular, Georgia had through HB 201, in essence, made it illegal to anchor in Georgia coastal waters. And DNR was given the authority to tell voters where they could anchor. That was the part that really stuck in our crawl more than anything else. I think Jack White termed it a, a, a betrayal of public trust. Essentially, a right was taking, taken away from voters that we felt like was against everything that we stand for as a country. Um, and it was done so without any empirical data, without any public meeting, without any feedback from any group. This right to anchor was taken away. And um, by doing this, DNR established that we could only anchor in places designated by them to anchor. And in doing so, they would implement a permit process, meaning that uh, when we arrived at one of the designated anchorages, we would be responsible. When I say we, I'm talking about voters in general. We'd be responsible for uh, logging in online to some website and filling out a permit request and paying for a permit to anchor in that location. This would be done somehow over a website online, assuming that wherever the boater was actually anchored in Georgia, they had a cell phone signal. Now, I suppose it could have been done in advance. Uh, you know, you're, you could plan where you're going to anchor ahead of time and go ahead and do the permit. Uh, that was the part that really uh, irritated us more than anything else. There were some other components also. Um, yeah, Georgia I think the proof of pump out was one decided, that also irritated some some folks was that um, record keeping had to be done on, on proof of pump out. So that was certainly a probably not the primary yeah, thing that AGLCA was worried about, but a, a lot of voters were very concerned about that as well. So what was your take on that? Yeah, and the other the other large component of this HB 201 was, let's just say it was the sewage disposal component. Uh, DNR decided that it was going to supersede federal law, the Clean Water Act, by regulating how voters, um, how voters disposed of their waste or didn't dispose of their waste in Georgia law. This is already well covered in Clean Water Act, so we felt like it was absolutely unnecessary. The, the, the log, as you're talking about, had to be maintained for a certain period of time when you had pumped out, where you had pumped out. Um, and what George was, in essence, doing was, uh, as I said, superseding federal law. But Georgia does not qualify. Georgia was trying to create a no-discharge zone, which is allowed under federal law if the state meets certain requirements. Georgia cannot meet those requirements. They told us that. Uh, they don't have the pump-out capability to designate the coastal area of Georgia as a no-discharge zone. But Georgia was, in essence, doing an end-around federal law by declaring themselves, in essence, to be a no-discharge zone. So 
as you said, our coalition became very active in this issue and, and all of us were invited to a stakeholders meeting by DNR where we felt like real progress was made in DNR understanding how what was, uh, how the law and how DNR would implement it, what the effect was gonna be on voters. So um, I left there encouraged, I don't know about you James, but then uh, once again, we uh, felt, I felt personally a little blindsided um, when DNR did finally issue an administrative order setting the rules for implementation of HB 201. And, and those came out, I believe it was December 30th, if I'm not mistaken, to take effect on January 1st of this year of 2020. Um, so kind of despite our efforts, I, I think the administrative order went much farther than any of us had anticipated. So tell us a little bit about the rules that came out there for uh, taking effect on January 1st. Well, as you, as you said, we were all very surprised by not by the administrative order, but by uh, the, the distances defined in the in administrative order as far as anchoring is concerned. We're using a term now that we have come to refer to as setback. Setback is not something you'll necessarily find in the law, but what you will find is that there's a restriction as far as uh, how far you must anchor from a certain thing. And the law tells you what those things are. Uh, structures, marine structures, marinas, shellfish beds, etc. These are areas that you cannot anchor near. So the question is, how far away from these areas must you stay? Now, during the meeting in July that you referred to, Kim, uh, with DNR, we had made a recommendation of 150 feet. Um, DNR was non-committal at that point. And I guess we found out why, uh, because on December the 30th, the, the uh, commissioner's administrative order was 1,000 feet. And uh, we we had not been asleep at the wheel. We had been working. We were active between that July meeting and between December 30th in trying to reword HB 201. We said one thing that we were unified, the stakeholders that we were referring to, as we were unified in saying that HB 201 was bad law and that HB 201 could not stand. We realized that we may have to negotiate some short-term arrangements until we could get into the uh, 2020 legislative session and try to either outright repeal HB 201 or at least modify it. So in that period of time, October, November, we were, we were active, this group that we're talking about, in looking at every word in HB 201 uh, and trying to rewrite that law to where it would be something that would be acceptable to us and to the voting community and at least be the beginnings of, of, of negotiations with DNR. Right. And and after that order, um, you know, James, you were doing a lot of the heavy lifting with looking at the language and, and proposing some alternative language. And um, we were, of course, relying on Jack White's expertise since he was a legislator in Georgia. Um, but it was, I think it was around that time after the order came out that we realized we really had to do something. And Jack recommended hiring a lobbyist because Jack is does work uh, full time um, in the Savannah area. So we really needed somebody in Atlanta. And that's when the boating industry as a whole, you know, came together and raised the funds to hire Scott Draper. Scott has been fabulous and I think instrumental in changing this from a, a one-sided directive from DNR 
to a really collaborative effort. So describe a little bit, you know, once we started to make process and the wheel was really rolling, um, talk, talk to us a little bit, James, about what that process looked like when we were finally able to work directly with DNR um, and the commissioner on what voters really needed to see here. Yeah, well, um, a after, back up just a little bit, after the administrative order in late December, early January, uh, Representative Ron Stevens, who is himself a, a boater and a cruiser and a gold looper, as I understand it, um, he he dropped the early version of HB 833, uh, which was the law that we now have, but it went through several modifications and changes. And we were really getting nowhere after HB 833 was originally introduced. Uh, it was really just kind of sitting there. Georgia leg Georgia's legisl <clears throat> legislative session is only <clears throat> 40 days, I think. And there's a midpoint, which is called crossover day. And if you do not get your bill out of whatever house it's introduced in before crossover day, you're likely not going to get passage during that legislative session. So we were really running out of time to get H30, H33 scheduled before a subcommittee, before a committee, before rules, et cetera, to get it to the House to be voted on. And Jack White, uh, <clears throat> to his credit and his expertise of being a former uh, or knowledge of being a former legislator, knew that we had to do something. And uh, he remembered a, a, a friend he had from his legislative days that was retired also. He was a lobbyist, and that's Scott Draper. And Jack talked to him, and within 48 hours, I think, Kim, we had put together a fundraising uh, guarantee of payment negotiation to get Scott on the floor running. And I, I, regardless of all the work we did between last summer and late February, it it would have gone nowhere if Scott had not been hired. Scott knows the Georgia legislature. He worked in it for 15 years as a lobbyist. He knows who to call. He's He immediately called the commissioner, set up a meeting with the commissioner and our voting coalition, and over um, a process of about four days, I think, uh, we had a couple marathon conference calls where we were able to hammer out a deal, so to speak, between our stakeholders groups and DNR and, and reach agreement on, on the language, the final language of HB 833. Yeah, and that was such an interesting process to me because those marathon conference calls, um, you know, it was a negotiation and it was a process, but it was also nice to see that once we had the right people at the table. We had the commissioner for DNR there. Uh, we were able to make significant progress. And in between those meetings, it was mostly you, James, who was going back and kind of adjusting language and, and trying to come up with a new version of HB 833 that could eventually you know, get to the floor of the House and then the Senate. So tell us what's in the final version of HB 833 that has now been passed by both the House and the Senate in Georgia. First of all, to understand what is not in H33, uh, HB 833 is a very short bill. I think there's 99 lines total compared to HB 201. We were able to get everything pertaining to sewage disposal, record keeping for um, pump outs, et cetera, permits. We were able to get all of that removed from 
the HB 201 version of the bill. What we were left with was a very short bill. The sticking points, the, the things that got under our skin in HB 201 was setbacks. Um, setbacks in 833. Another thing important, too, not only are setbacks codified, meaning they are law in H 833, they were not in HB 201. They were at the discretion of the commissioner, which is something we did not like. So they are 150 feet from docks, structures, private things like that, 300 feet from marinas. And we understand that's acceptable to marina owners and uh, 500 feet from shellfish beds. Um, now, shellfish can be recreational as well as commercial shellfish beds. So those are the three distances that will be codified in 833 once it passes. It will not be left up to the discretion of this commissioner or another commissioner to change those. It can only be changed by the Georgia legislature after this point. We recognized and understood and wanted Georgia DNR to stand that we understand that we wanted to help with an issue of long-term anchoring and the issue of possible what's called ADVs, which is uh, derelict vessels, abandoned and derelict vessels, which are just generally called ADVs. Uh, we wanted to be a partner in trying to figure out an answer to that. And we realized that one of the things that leads to ADVs is boats that are anchored long-term unattended in various parts of the state. Those boats, many of them, not all of them, but sometimes those boats in storms wash up into the marshes and uh, they become a burden on the state financially to remove them if the owner is not able to remove them themselves. So uh, Georgia does have a legitimate problem with not knowing necessarily who those boats belong to. Uh, if they're registered in Georgia, they can look at the registration number, but they may not be registered in Georgia. So we wanted to leave the door open to DNR to be able to establish permits just so they would know who these vessels belong to. And that is that language is in HB 833, although it's left up to uh, DNR to try to uh, term, work out the nuts and bolts of how the permit will actually take place. So can you tell us the difference between short-term and long-term, and the long-term is where you need the permit and the setback distances change. So tell us a little bit about that if you can. Realize that when we're talking about anchored vessels or vessels that are wanting to anchor, that we cannot lump all vessels under one hat. There are short-term anchoring. There is short-term anchoring. There's long-term anchoring. And we were, we were able, and I think it was the commissioner that when he realized this actually came up with the idea of defining long-term anchoring and short-term anchoring. So the period of time of 14 days, cumulative, not, not consecutive, but 14, cumul 14 cumulative days in a year, you can be anchored anywhere you want as long as you're outside of one of these uh, restricted areas, setbacks we're talking about. The 150 feet from somebody's dock, you've got to be a greater distance, 300 feet from a marina, or 500 feet from a shellfish bed. So for boaters who are transients, who come through the state of Georgia heading south or heading north, or even boaters who live in Georgia like myself that want to go to a particular anchorage there, there's no problem in doing that on the short term. I think it was great that we reached this decision. I, I, I think it's going to be interesting this first year to actually see if it works as well as we think it's going to. It may require coming back and uh, tweaking it a little bit in future years, but I, I think it's a unique approach that some other states might look at as a model. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. It was an interesting uh, process to reach that conclusion that we could and should define these short-term and long-term. 
And I think Georgia, you know, once we have a little bit of time gone by and see how this is implemented and how it's working, I think it really can become a model for some of the other states. We've been battling this anchor issue in Florida for years and years and years, and, and pretty much all parties are in agreement that cruisers, true cruisers who are transiting are not the problem. You know, the problem is these ADVs, these abandoned and derelict vessels. And it's just, it's a little bit too easy for people who don't understand boating to, um, you know, have a very broad stroke and just say, let's get rid of anchoring altogether and our problem will be solved. But by sitting down at the table and really both sides listening to what the other was trying to accomplish, I think Georgia came up with a really interesting solution. So as we said, it, the, well, the, the bill passed the House uh, right on that crossover day that James mentioned when it, you know, was kind of the last chance for it to pass there and be sent over to the Senate for a vote. And within a couple of days, I think, of it passing the House, the coronavirus shutdown really began and uh, the legislators went home, which is certainly understandable, but that kind of left the, the bill in limbo for a little while. So hence the couple of months delay. But we are thrilled that earlier this week, the Georgia Senate did pass HB 833. So the last step really is uh, for the governor to sign that into law. As soon as the governor signs it, it will become law. It will immediately replace the DNR's administrative order that took place January 1. It will immediately replace HB 201. Stay tuned. We'll certainly be putting the word out when this new law takes effect. James Newsom, wholeheartedly thank you and the rest of the team for getting this done. Um, you know, this was, in, in my view, such a great example of the boating community coming together, recognizing a problem, uh, putting their time and also their dollars behind it because we had could not have hired Scott Draper, which was really the difference maker, unless the boating community supported that financially. Um, James, you, Jack, several others on the team, untold number of hours you put into this of your personal time and effort. So thank you for that. Greatly appreciate it. And thank you for joining us today to give us the background and the good news. Well, thank you too, Kim, for having me. Um, we have there's so many names we haven't mentioned. Uh, Ed Tillett from Waterway Guide, Larry uh, and Winston from Cruisers Net, uh, SCCA. A lot of people came to our supported us, but most important uh, was were the boaters. We asked boaters to email. We asked boaters to call, and boaters flooded the Georgia phone lines and emails. We had representatives tell us, please stop the email. We got <laughs> right. the message. We had one legislator tell us, if you don't stop the emails, I'm going to vote against it. <laughs> right. uh, we really, the boaters were the difference maker, I really think. James, thanks once again for joining us. We appreciate your time. Thank you, Kim. That was my interview with James Newsom, a founder of the Facebook group Save George's Anchorages. We'll take a break now and play a message from one of our sponsors. When we come back, my discussion with Representative Ron Stevens of Georgia, who is the sponsor of HB 833 that just became law and fixed the problems where boaters were not able to enjoy their freedom to anchor in Georgia. We'll be back in a moment. AGLCA Admiral-sponsored Dog River Marina is located at the mouth of the Tentom Waterway in Mobile, Alabama, only 22 miles from the Gulf of Mexico. The marina encompasses 95 slips, 80 of which are sheltered. They offer a ship store, courtesy car, rental cars, 24-hour guard service, and shore power. The complex's full-service repair facility is staffed with highly trained personnel to handle everything from simple repairs to complex overhauls. For more information, visit www.dogriver.com. 
We're back on Great Loop Radio today talking about Georgia's new anchoring law, which is favorable to boaters as opposed to the old version. The next guest you'll hear is Representative Ron Stevens of Georgia. He also happens to be a gold looper, and he is behind this new bill that fixed the problems boaters had with anchoring in Georgia. So here's my interview with Ron. So Ron Stevens, thanks so much for joining me today. Um, first of all, you are a gold looper, so you and Janice did the loop a few years back. Just start by telling us a little bit about your great loop trip. Uh, you know what? It's one of those things that's a bucket list item that, that um, I always wanted to do. And as, as a busy person, I'm a pharmacist as well. You just don't, you can never plan for something like that because it's just, it's part of your life. And we, I waited until the session was over, the legislative session back in April the 19th of uh, three years ago, and I, we started out from Savannah and uh, with one of our friends here, and we were just kind of voting partners, um, and we took off, and I got back home, and we kind of rushed it um, in June, the, uh, excuse me, January the 2nd, so we're going several months, but it was, it's something that I intend to do again if, if I'm allowed to kick the bucket again, uh, <laughs> before I kick the bucket, to, to do it again, because it was really amazing, the people along the way are just solid gold and the folks in your organization um you know they they truly keep up with things that are as they're moving along and you can track folks and it's it's just amazing what i did three years ago and i'm looking forward to doing it again well and it's really an inspiration to others ron because i hear from so many that they just don't have the time to do the great loop so you managed to do it while uh still being a pharmacist an active pharmacist and serving for many many years in the georgia assembly so uh, thank you for that service but also congratulations on being able to work the loop into those plans and we do hope you get to do it again uh, but we're glad you enjoyed it but it is that experience with long distance long-term cruising that made you instrumental really in getting the law in Georgia fixed so to speak so let's just um, you know we've got the background but let's go back to HB 201 which passed the General Assembly in 2019 and became law the first of the year in 2020 as I said it did pass but at what point did you realize that this bill was really bad for boaters you know what? It was after it passed the House, and we're over there, and I'm telling the author of the bill, and, and and I understand that there's bad apples out there, and we had two or three of them in Georgia that just weren't um, doing what the normal uh, voter does, and and was really infringing on the rights of some of these people who's um, who had property, and and they would just pull right up, you know, within just a few feet and never move uh, ever. So if they left, they'd take their ding and go somewhere, and that's just not the way that we conduct ourselves as, as uh, boaters. And so they created a law that was incredibly restrictive uh, to those of us who enjoy the last bastion of freedom that really we have in this country. And, you know, the ability to get out on the superhighway, we call the ICW and, and others, to um, to enjoy and, and, and not have to, and, and use our freedom to the fullest. But this was so restrictive. Once it got over um, uh, and, and I told the author, I said, it's going to backfire on you because we got folks that, that really enjoy boating like I do. And he was not a boater. But there, and of course, at our first meeting that we had um, down in Brunswick with the DNR folks, and, and I told them, I said, you're going to have a packed crowd here. And I nah, there'll be two people to show up. Well, sure enough, it was standing room only. And I think if that was the first time that it really registered on on uh, some of these folks that wait a minute we've we've got to to do something here and and then we begin to move in that direction and 
And uh, thank, thanks to the uh, commissioner, um, thanks to the coastal uh, region down here in Savannah and up and down the Georgia coast, uh, we came to a meeting of the minds over a period of months, and 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 we've got a brand new industry down here, the shellfish industry that's taken taken hold, and that played a good bit into it. So we had to come to some reasonable um, understandings, and of course, right after that, the commissioner out of the wild blue just put a thousand yard or maybe it was a thousand feet yeah a thousand um, feet this mm-hmm. distance that that um boaters can't come to any structure in georgia which basically took them totally out of many of our rivers and, and a whole lot of our traditional anchorages so yeah. it took a whole lot but we we got there and and uh and of course we passed 833 with uh, exactly the language that that helps both sides it helps the landowner with their structures the marinas to get rid of the de- derelict boats that during storms blow them up on their marina uh, with that 300 foot setback but um it's it worked out to be exactly i think what we were looking for and ed tillett and and you guys just uh, with waterways you guys just uh, came across and helped uh, get us through the finish line and i'm just amazed yeah i was um very, very pleased with how the process went because you made a couple of great points in there, Ron. And one is that the author of HB 201 was not a boater. Um, and the second is that, yes, there are some problem vessels. There are some derelict and abandoned vessels, and there are some that people are living aboard um, that really don't fit the usual mode of an active cruiser like loopers are. So uh, the people that were being bothered by the boats docked year after year, and I'm sorry, anchored, you know, off of their... Uh, house or their business for year after year after year are a nuisance. Um, and I think we all agree with that. So, um, you know, this was a case, I think, in 201 of non-boaters not realizing what the effect was going to be. So, you know, after that all went down, after DNR, the commissioner put in the rules with a thousand feet, which was, I think, much longer, much further distance than any of us expected. You know, what was kind of the final thing that led you to introduce HB 833 in the 2020 session to try and correct all this? Uh, it was that. I think it was the, um, uh, you might say it was the hammer down. We're going to be a thousand feet from all structures. And I said, that's it. We're, we're going to, um, we're going to put this in, we're going to pass it and we're, and we're going to help the commissioner uh, and the DNR, um, you know, in spite, quite honestly, just to make sure that they got what they needed. But, you know, we're fighting for our freedom here. And, and the idea that Georgia boaters um, can't use the Georgia coast, uh, uh, the intercoastal waterway, and the and all the natural resources that we've got here, it was just, um, I was not going to allow it to happen. So we all became very, very vocal, and, um, and we all stayed in touch. And basically it became a complaint-driven uh, piece. And, I was, by the way, I was told by the commissioner the other day, that as soon as the governor signs this bill, he's going to lift this thousand foot um, order that came down from the department. So that's good news as well. So the sooner we get the governor to sign this thing, the better off that we're all going to be. So we'll all be back to your, uh, to what's reasonable, 150 feet from a dock uh, or a marine structure, 300 feet from a marina. Um, and, and of course, 500 feet from these shellfish, which will be, by the way, up to us and the state to be able to mark this stuff real plainly. But uh, it's on the desk now, and, and to, to think about where we were uh, this time last year, whenever we thought all hope was lost, it's already into law. Um, thank goodness we had several boaters, even folks that are in Atlanta, 
uh, that have their votes down here that signed on to the bill on both sides, Democrats and Republicans, mm-hmm. uh, to get this thing passed. So it's a it's a freedom issue, and and now we've got essentially what is a complaint driven um, uh, issue that we can take care of and have some teeth to take care of, uh, specifically on derelict boats, so they don't cause problems whenever there's a storm. Uh, but also not get in the way of the basic freedoms of us boaters. And and I think there's a whole lot of folks that finally realize that us boaters will fight for our freedom. And it, uh, and it showed, and it came out. You're absolutely right. It definitely did. And one of the things that I really liked about this process is that HB 201, which passed and became law, um, in my view, was really an example of how this all goes wrong. You know, it was a a law related to anchoring. It affected boaters, but boater input was really not sought before that was written and passed. But then on the flip side, HB 833, I think, speaks all about how this process should work. And you're exactly right. It, It brought both sides to the table, and that was largely thanks to you, Ron, for putting the commissioner together with the boaters. And the commissioner was extremely reasonable, and he had a problem to solve, and um, you know the boaters had a problem to solve because of HB 201, and both sides were very accommodating and were willing to see the other side's point, which I wish we had a lot more of that <laughs> right now in government. Um, but to me, this was really an example of how it should work, and the end result is a good bill that both sides supported and that got everyone what they were seeking. Something like this would never happen in Washington. I can tell you the place is broke. But in Georgia government, whenever we were at the state trying to hammer out an issue, I've, I've never seen it work so beautifully. As, and mostly it's about an education process. And, and, uh, and, and again, back on Ed Tillett again, he was very, very good at pointing out the, the, um, the what-ifs, the unintended consequences, and you as well. And, 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 uh, and of course, our little group there that, that uh, were avid boaters that, that are out there fighting for the rights of these folks. But um, this is the way it's supposed to work. You get together and you see what can be done on both sides and what really is, what's the point that we're trying to get to and what are we really trying to fix. And, and, uh, and that's, but the, the key to all of this stuff is getting out of the way of the freedom, the basic freedoms of a boater. And, uh, and we did that. And I, I can't, of all the 23, 23 years that I've been serving in the legislature, this is one of the more satisfying bills that I've ever had because I can see um, the benefits to my children and grandchildren um, as they begin to grow up and become voters as I am, uh, and, it, and for generations in the future, and that's what it should be all about. Well, and I am hopeful that this bill might be able to serve as a model for some of the other states where we've been seeing these same issues. And of course, the one that always comes to mind when you're dealing with anchoring restrictions is Florida. But what's different about this bill, which hopefully soon will become law, you, Ron, described the setbacks, um, which the numbers are are fine for boaters. Most responsible boaters don't want to anchor within 150 feet of somebody's dock anyway. Um, But the other part of that is that there's a two-week or a 14-day cumulative total amount of time you can stay in one place, and after that, you're considered long-term anchoring, and there's another set of rules that go with that. And that's what gave DNR the teeth to do something about the derelict and abandoned and nuisance boats. Um, So I'm very hopeful that as, as we move into sessions in other states that are grappling with these same issues, they might realize the validity of having that short term versus long term and how that can really 
fix the problem that everyone is grappling with, but at the same time allow boaters that freedom that we've come to enjoy. So um, you mentioned, Ron, that the governor, this is on the governor's desk. Um, any risk in your eyes that he may not sign it? it I can't imagine that, that even because we have the uh, departments endorsement. Uh, you know, if there was anybody fighting against this, even any of the environmentalists, uh, as you might recall, we struck out all the stuff that had to do with uh, the sanitary toilets and all that stuff because that's already in federal law and there's no need in being redundant. So, but as far as I've heard, there is zero opposition to the bill, and uh, and of course we've got our lobbyists that it's calling the governor as well. So I have asked for uh, for him just to either sign the bill or. Uh, nobody's called me to see if they wanted to have a bill signing ceremony, uh, even though this is probably one of the most freedom-friendly bills that we've that we've passed in a very long time in Georgia. Uh, but as soon as he signs it, or if he doesn't sign it, it goes into law automatically. Um, but you know, we're 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 on a clock, and I, for me, I don't carry the way. But as far as we know, there's no opposition to the bill, and you hit the nail on the head, Ken. This could be a a model for other states that are really grappling with this issue with, with a way that they can um, that they can bring about a common sense law that people can live with that won't, and this is the big exclamation point, that won't interfere with your rights. Right, and, and we're looking forward to that day when it will be settled in some other states as well, but for now it is settled in Georgia as soon as this becomes law. Um, the good news is HB 201, when it, it was signed by the governor around this time last year, it was set to take effect January 1st of 2020. HB 833, which we're waiting on the governor to sign, is set to take effect immediately upon signature. So we are hopeful that there yep. will still be some voting season left when this is signed and becomes law. We're all very much looking forward to that day. Uh, Ron Stevens, General Assembly member in Georgia, also, go Looper. Um, thank you for being a champion for voters on this issue, because without you taking this up and writing 833 and getting us together with the commissioner and participating in all of those rather lengthy conference calls, uh, we wouldn't be in this position today and we'd still be looking at thousand foot setbacks. So thank you from all the voters out there for champion, champion, championing this cause. My pleasure, Kim. So good talking to you and, and all the best to the voters out there all over the country. You too, Ron. Thanks. Take care and stay safe out there. As we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, HB 833 has now been signed into law by Georgia's governor and it is in effect. We want to thank Ron Stevens for his leadership on this effort. And a thank you and congratulations to everyone who worked so hard to make this happen. That would include everyone from Save Georgia's Anchorages, which includes James Newsom, Jack White, Ted Arasaka. Um, of course, thank you to Scott Draper, who was the lobbyist who really made this happen. We would also like to recognize Ed Tillett with Waterway Guide for his input and the other boating associations we worked with on this, which include National Marine Manufacturers Association, Marine Trawler Owners Association, DeFever Cruisers, and Seven Seas Cruising Association. Hopefully we didn't leave anybody out, but thank you also to all of the boaters who supported this effort. We hope you all enjoy your freedom to anchor this Independence Day weekend. And we will be back next week with another episode of Great Loop Radio. Until then, safe cruising.